You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Well, have a seat. I'm super excited to be bringing the word this morning and tonight. I know. I get to do two in one go, in one day. I'm excited. Have you ever known me to be excited? I don't know about that. Never. It's just not the kind of guy that I am, Damo. Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely, I've just embraced who I am. You know, you have to embrace who you are. Stop trying to be everybody else. Just be yourself. Is this TV behind me going to, is this, it's decided to cark itself. Good man, I might, I might need you for a demo in a minute. No, I haven't got anything planned, but maybe I'll come up with something. It's good. All right. In your Bibles, if you've got them there with you, or if you've got like digital, then open your phone. You're allowed to have your phone in church. That's all right. Tom Sullivan, you can keep that phone in church. That's all right, man. Do it. Uh, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9. This is our, our series scripture. Um, now, just wanna, I just want to adjust something before the Holy Spirit gets a chance to adjust you. <laughs> right. Um, so this is our final service in this building, but it's not our final service. Right? Right? This is not Northwest's final service for the year. It's just the final service here. Right? It continues next week when we combine with HSPA, with Central Campus at HSPA. Yeah? Yeah. Right? So you should turn up. If you're in Newcastle, here's my charge to you. If you're in Newcastle or, you know, in your home, if you live in the outskirts of Newcastle, some of you are like driving heaps to get here every Sunday. It's amazing, right? But if you're around and you don't have a family event on, you should come to church. You should come to the service and party on. Now, some of you are like, I don't do that. I don't go to the central campus thing. It's it's too big. It's too scary. Whatever your excuse is, reason, sorry, whatever your reason is, Whatever your reason is, you know, uh, you could do it with other people. You could actually say to them, hey, why don't we go together and sit together? There's a novel idea. Let's do that. All right. So if you're around and you don't have stuff planned and there's a service on and you're like, kids get up and they're like, oh, it's already, why was the time? Because that's what my kids would do. They were like, why are we going to church so early? Actually, they're here all early every week. But you'd be like, yes, because we're going and we're going to meet, insert friend's name here, there, and it's going to be great. All right, it's a big, uh, next Sunday's a big, you know, family Christmas festival, not a festival, don't expect rides. It's going to be great though. It's going to be real good. So you don't want to start a bad habit of not being a part of the family of God in the new year, right? You don't want to have to break a habit to get back to church and you don't want to feel isolated, okay? You don't want to feel like, I suppose we should get back to church. Just keep coming. If you don't stop, you won't have to start. There you go. There you go. Holy Spirit, come. All right, good. All right, so we're in the middle of a series, and uh, I have to, like, lower my volume because I'm preaching tonight, and otherwise I have no voice. Like, what happened last time, I was not well. So I'm just going to talk like this. 
Hello. Uh, we're in the middle of a series on Advent, and um, week one we talked about how Jesus was a gift to us. Remember that? And then we celebrated our volunteers, and that was fun. And then last week, Pastor Beck brought a word about Jesus being wonderful and counselor, not like just wonderful counselor, but wonderful and counselor, because it's actually two separate things. That was a really good insight there. That was powerful. You know, how it's important for us not to just do religion at Christmas, but it's important for us to get wowed by Jesus every Christmas. Every Christmas, it's an opportunity for you to go, wow, Jesus, you did that, and that was amazing. It's important for us to slow down, you know. If you've got some time off, you know, think about, think about Jesus. What a novel idea, you know. It's not just more time on the Xbox, Darren. I mean, everyone else. <laughs> Actually, what it is, is a space to enjoy your family and to enjoy your father, right? And Jesus, it's good. So today, we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read a couple of scriptures, and we're going to continue in these descriptions of who Jesus is. We're good? It's good to have the shanks around a little bit at the moment, isn't it? It's a bit sweet. It's a bit cool. Uh, <coughs> back to Newcastle. Great. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9, <laughs> good, says, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born. I'm reading from the NIV version. It's on screen. To us, a son is given, and the government, funny word, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's good to slow down when you read Scripture, right? Just slow down. Just, just chill out in it. Let the Holy Spirit speak and breathe on it. Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Wow. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How cool is that? Like, way to cap it off, Isaiah. So good. So these two verses, they, they carry a lot of weight. There's a lot of power here. Like, good to have Rosalie back, healthy and strong as well. Yeah. Pain, you're still pain-free? Yeah. But that's, see, that's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. I love it. It's good. No, I love it. That's so good. It's nice to see you again. Uh, these verses were written like over 700 years before Jesus was born. So cool. Isaiah is describing a son who would be born who would be unlike any other son ever. A son, in verse 2, who's, who will reveal great light in deep darkness. A son who would govern not just Israel, but the whole world. Like, you're going, yeah, we know we read the scripture, Pastor Darren, we read it, we know. I know, but it's good to, it's good to hang out on it. 
it's good to dwell on it and go, oh my gosh, this Jesus guy is phenomenal. So let's look at this, this next description of Jesus, which kind of just, you know, rolls off our tongue. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Mighty God. A Mighty God, what is that? Mighty God. We say it quickly, but there's a lot of power in it. There's a lot of power in it. So we're just going to break it down a little bit today. Mighty God, firstly, is who Jesus is. Number one, mighty God is who Jesus is. So the first three descriptions of Jesus describe who he is, his nature. The next two descriptions of Jesus, everlasting father, prince of peace, describe his reign. So the first describe his nature, the first three his nature, the second two his reign. All right, so you've got wonderful, amazing, you know, awestruck, my goodness, look at him. You've got counselor, the one who brings wisdom and direction and guidance to us. You've got mighty God, three descriptions of the nature of Jesus, who Jesus would be. So the Hebrew uh, word for mighty there can be also translated as strong, strong God. God is not a weakling, right? He might not be moving in your situation like you'd like, but that doesn't make him not strong. Mighty God. That word can also be translated hero, champion, or warrior. I like to think of Jesus as a warrior, you know, you know, I like it. I love it. In, um, in Revelation, I'm just going to go there. It's on the screen. Revelation 19. I'm just going to read some pretty gory scriptures. And if you're like under 19, you're going to be like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> it says uh, in Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. That's Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages war. This morning we were praying and that there's a war going on for the souls of men and women, right? His eyes are like blazing fire. His eyes, his eyes are like blazing fire, right? On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe that's dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. How good is this? The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. <laughs> yeah, like, like real. With which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What? That's cool. Jesus is a mighty warrior. Okay, I don't know if you remember what he said in Matthew 10. He said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth, but a sword. So you got to balance all of this stuff that we talk about with this other stuff that Jesus said, because they don't contradict each other. They actually hold themselves in perfect tension. Jesus is a mighty warrior. He came to defeat the power of sin, right? He, he, he came to pay for our sin with his blood, right? This is not a timid little mission, right? God was coming to earth to win the fight for the souls of men and women. It's a battle. 
It's a war. Jesus' robe is dipped in blood. That's how many people he's killed. Not people. That's how many demons he's killed along the way. Right? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Just confirming. Just confirming. Right? This isn't a wussy little Jesus sitting down in a field next to a lamb. Right? The, the painters, they're, they're creative. The, you know, the, guy, the guys who painted that, you know, Jesus is, you know, little, he's... Little Jesus, meek and mild. No, no, no. He's not just little Jesus, meek and mild. He's also Jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth. This is a mighty God with with a robe dipped in the blood of his enemies, coming with strength and power and might to destroy the works of the devil and establish a kingdom that would never end. Right? This, he's mighty. That's who he is. The second word that, G, that uh, Isaiah uses here is, is probably even more powerful. And Isaiah could see something about Jesus that would have been so controversial at the time. It would have been like people going, really? Are you sure you got that right, Isaiah? Really? The son given for us would be mighty God. God, God himself. And we, we, we gloss over it because for us, it's kind of nothing new, is it? You know, yeah, mighty God, Jesus is God. We're good, we're good. But for the people who heard it originally and for the people in our world who hear that Jesus is not just a historical figure, but he's actually the son of God. He's part of the Trinity. What? This is like, it's an outlandish statement to make. It's like, <laughs> you guys are crazy. But this is the truth and this is the power of what, we, of what we believe. Jesus, part of the Trinity, the Godhead, gave up his right to operate and exist in the attributes of God. Stay with me here, right? Because I've seriously researched the theology on this and had extensive conversations with the boss. <laughs> right? Willingly gave up his right to operate and exist with the attributes of God, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his omni, omnipotence, and his immutability. Four things about God, right? But still having the essence of God would become a human being. So Jesus is fully human and still fully God. 100% human, and 100% carrying the essence of God at the same time. Don't ask me to explain it. (laughs) I just know it, right? Because if he was only fully human, then he is a lunatic with some crazy level wisdom. And our salvation means nothing. But if he's fully God and fully human, then he's the perfect sacrifice. And he's the perfect sacrifice for your sin and for my sin and the sins of the world. And our salvation is real. And therefore the mission is real. Right? So he's mighty God in who he is, in who Jesus is, in his essence. All right, number one. Number two is he is mighty in what he does. Verse seven says, of the greatness of, of his government and peace, there will be no end. Wow. 
New King James Version says of the increase, the advancement of his government and peace, there will be no end. So Jesus' mission was to buy us back. That's God's plan from the get-go is redemption. From the moment there was sin in the Garden of Eden, God's plan was redemption. In fact, God knew it was going to happen, and so he purposed Jesus before the creation of the world to come. It's a big plan all along. Redemption is the thread that runs through the entire Bible. Redemption is God's purpose and God's plan. And he can do it. Why? Because the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Right? God's not powerless. He's powerful and he wants to. You can be powerful and just sit on your couch. Or you can be powerful and have zeal. That person's going to change the world. Right? The zeal of the Lord Almighty. Love it. So verse 7 says, The greatness of the increase of his government and peace. Right? If you're going to establish a government, you're going to have to do something with the old one. You're going to have to overthrow another another kingdom in order to establish your kingdom. You're going to have to do some fighting, right? And Jesus did exactly that. He broke the power of of sin and death through the power of the cross, right? Because I'm I'm kind of teaching a bit here too, right? Is this okay? You're all still awake, even though you've been like like up, you know, shopping online trying to find the best deal. You know, you're still being like, yeah, I can get 10 bucks off, but it's going to cost me eight bucks in postage, babe. Is it worth it? No. Go to bed. All right. All right. The power of the cross. I'm coming back to Jesus. See how I did that? All right. Just, just slight break. Let's return. The power of the cross broke the power of sin and death, right? So, so, so sin has no power over me anymore. I still choose it sometimes more often than I'd care to admit, right? But the power of sin is broken. So has the power of the punishment of sin, right? Because Christ has taken that for me. So the power of sin and the punishment of sin have been broken. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, broke the power of death so we can have eternal life, right? And then Jesus broke the power of the enemy. He defeated the devil. Colossians says he made a public spectacle out of the enemy. Right? And so, because Jesus did that, we have authority over the enemy. I don't have to fear that demons are going to run wild in my world. If they do, I will deal with them. And then I'll move on with my life. And that's how it, that's how it happens. I don't give the devil a lot of attention or a lot of time. If he pops up, I'll deal with it, and then I'll move on. Because I don't have to fear it, but I don't also don't have to focus on it. Right? All right. Now, verse 7 out of the message, I love this. It says, uh, instead of saying uh, of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. It says his ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Because you know the definition of peace? Wholeness. Shalom peace means the full picture, how it's meant to be. Wholeness. So when God brings peace to your heart, you're actually stepping into a different level of wholeness in your thinking and in your believing about what's happening. Right? So whatever the kingdom of God touches, the result is people being restored to God and people walking into a new level of wholeness. 
That's natural. That's normal. Because of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. Of the, his ruling authority will grow, and there's no limit to the wholeness that he brings. The more you, the more you walk in and, 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 and step into everything that God has for you, you'll find yourself in an ever-increasing wholeness. It's true. It's true. It's powerful. So Jesus accomplished his mission to defeat the devil, pay for the sins of the world. Three days later, he defeated death as well. Jesus is mighty in what he does. He's mighty in who he is. He's mighty God in who he is and what he does. And so this is, then becomes our experience, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, is this your experience? This is my experience. Is that mighty God made his way into my life, into my world, and revealed himself to me, and I had to respond in some way. Absolutely. This is what we experience, because God's not finished. You know, Jesus didn't hang up his boots. You know, after he got back to heaven, he didn't, you know, take off his shoes and hang up his boots and be like, all right, we're done here. That's good. Let's go and watch some Netflix. No. Jesus was like, okay, Holy Spirit, in 49 days, you're going to head down to earth and we're going to start the church and it's going to be awesome. And this kingdom of God is going to keep advancing right throughout history, right throughout time, right throughout the world. In every single nation, there's not going to be a pocket of society that the kingdom of God is not going to touch. Everyone's going to hear it. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to, to respond to the gospel of Jesus. God's still moving. And so we experience, number three, we experience mighty God. Jesus, out of his love, he saves us, he forgives us, he heals us. But here's what I want to say, like, his power and his authority go far beyond restoring my soul and everything internal, saving my soul, saving my saving me, you know, and helping me with my thought life or, you know. The power of God goes beyond just soul and spirit into the realm of the physical as well. So remember back in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is on a boat. I'm on a boat, <laughs> right? Jesus is, is on a boat and he's asleep. He's asleep on the boat. And the Word of God says, a furious squall. Now, I don't know what a furious squall is, but it sounds like it's a pretty mean storm, right? Pretty mean storm hit, and the disciples were freaking out. And Jesus goes, what are you, what are you guys even worried about? I'm like, serious? Have you not got any faith? So Jesus stands up and he goes, all right, wind and waves, settle down, settle down. That's better. Okay, good. And I assume Jesus went back to sleep. And so we read the story in Mark chapter 4, and we go, we, we read it through the eyes of analogy. And we go, Jesus can calm my storm. Oh, this is awesome. And He can, right? But this, was a, this is not a parable. 
This is, a, this is a real story of a real Jesus who walked on water, right? In a different time, walked on water through the storm and jumped in the boat, called Peter out to walk, you know, on the water to him. These are just, these are parables. This is the testimony of what actually took place in the physical world that you and I live in. It's not just to be applied in analogy. God can affect the physical, the world that we're in. Jesus has the power over wind and waves. He's got the power over bodies, right? Over sickness and over death, right? Over, over our muscles and our blood conditions, over cancer and headaches, over every physical problem. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. That's what we've been singing. It's not just over my soul. Oh, I feel good now because of Jesus. No, no, no. It's also Jesus. You reign in the physical, tangible, touching world as well. He, he, he reigns. He has the power of provision to supply your needs at Christmas time, right? To change your situation, to, to, to adjust things that are going on in your real life. He is mighty God. Not just mighty God to me and in my insides, you know, and in my brain, oh, Jesus is mighty. No, no, He's got the power to heal and deliver and provide and change and adjust. He is mighty in the physical sense, not just in the soul sense. And it's like God, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? We talked about the power of prayer. God responds to prayer, right? Prayer unlocks the power of God. We have access to all the resources of heaven, right? And that is true. You might not be able to experience it at the moment. You might not, sorry, you might not be experiencing it at the moment, but that doesn't make it less true. And here's where it gets funky. Because can I guarantee you a specific result for your specific situation according to the power of God? No, I can't. And that, because we're in a, we're, we're, we're in a, a, in a phase, uh, we're in an age at the moment where the kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here yet. So we exist in this funny dimension where the kingdom of God has come and is building and growing, but it hasn't fully arrived yet. God also doesn't work to a formula, which is so annoying, by the way. That is so frustrating. It'd be great if you could get any kind of healing that you wanted if you just prayed for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? You'd be like, you'd be like I'm almost up to my healing. I've, I'm tracking it with my prayer app and I, I, I've, almost, I've almost done my hours. Look at that, look at that. And people would be like, Keep pushing through. You can make it. Oh my goodness. I'm believing for you. Can I pray into your thing? I don't know if, that, if it works like that. Right? It doesn't work like that. God doesn't operate to a formula. He operates to a relationship. He operates out of trust. He wants you to be with Him so you can trust Him with your thing. So if He pours out His power and you get healed or your situation goes really, really well, then awesome. And if He doesn't, that you would still know He's right here with me. 
because it's about relationship. And I'm so sorry, I can't guarantee you a powerful result that you want. I I can't, we can't do that. (coughs) But like I said to this guy on Tuesday morning, I can't guarantee you the result that you want, but I can guarantee you that you'll never walk alone. I just want to hang on this just for a second because I don't want to leave it here. Because does this mean that we just kind of resign ourselves to our situation? You know what I mean? Is that, am I just meant to become a victim to whatever I'm walking through? You know, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. I've lived as a victim for a lot of years. I'm, I'm over that. I don't want to go back there. You know, God is still mighty God regardless of what's happening in my life. Okay, the Word says that He is mighty God, right? And He doesn't change. So here's the thing. Anytime the power of God doesn't come through for you, anytime it it doesn't pan out, and if it's always panned out for you, (laughs) bless you. (laughs) Right? Right? Maybe, maybe one day it won't. Maybe. Maybe. But, but if it doesn't, it is not a confirmation that God doesn't like you. All right? It's not a confirmation that He's not going to move. If it doesn't ha- happen how you thought it would, it's, it's not God going, see, I didn't like you anyway. So stop receiving bad news like that. Because your bad news doesn't change the fact that He's mighty God. You know what it is? It's an invitation. It's an invitation that you might know Him in your struggle. That you might know Him better. It's an invitation to work out how you can unlock this space called healing or provision or You know, it's an invitation to go deeper, to go to a place that you're unfamiliar with, to go to a place that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah, I don't don't, don't pray like that because those people look weird. Maybe God's inviting you to start praying like that. You know, no, I don't turn up to church two weeks in a row. That's weird. Well, It's an invitation to come even closer to pray and go to a deeper place because we know who He is. Bill Johnson said this quote. He said, rather than embrace a theology to validate your own feelings of powerlessness. (laughs) Ouch already, Bill. Stop it. He says, learn to embrace mystery. And so allow yourself to be provoked to prayer by the things that don't make sense or happen right away. Right, take a photo of the screen and make it your screensaver on your phone. Right, so you and I, we have access to God's power because of what Jesus did on the cross, okay? You've got access. We step into that access through relationship and prayer. Prayer unlocks heaven. Prayer unlocks the power of God. 
And this is where this funky thing called faith comes in. Because faith sees something before you experience it. And faith is based on truth and the revealed vision of the Holy Spirit. This is what I believe is going to happen because I saw it. God showed me. Oh, okay, all right. So I'm going to pray into that. Okay, all right. And now I've got it. So we pray, believing, and we pray, trusting. Sometimes we just pray desperate because that's all we've got. Because Jesus is not just a guy sitting with a lamb in a field. He's mighty God. He is mighty God. So when you don't get what you pray for, we don't resign ourselves like a victim. We don't go... I remember thinking every time something didn't happen that it was confirmation that it wasn't going to happen. You ever think like that? Come on, I know at least one of you thought like that at least once. You know, when you've got a, when you've got a, a stronghold of bad thinking in your head and, and it doesn't pan out, we often go, see? If you truly believe God doesn't like you and you pray really, really hard for something and it doesn't happen, you'll, you'll go back to, well, God doesn't like me. That's where you've got to balance it with truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Sorry, I had to go there. Right? I don't balance the, the, the truth with my experience. Right? The truth tells me what I have experienced and tells me what I'm yet to experience and shows me the way forward. So we press in and we ask even more, knowing that He is good, right? And He's got the power to answer our prayer because He's mighty God. See, the Christian life is about learning to apprehend and walk in everything that Christ has paid for you to have, right? You know, it's like, it's like you're walking through the life, through this life, and then God reveals something to you and you go, huh, that's pretty cool. And you learn how to apprehend that and you walk with it. And the next revelation and you grab that, like lights floating in the air, you know, and you go, huh, that's pretty cool. I might walk with that one for a while. And this enormous light called identity comes when you go, whoa, that's pretty cool. And you learn how to walk in that one. And then, you know, this, this, one of these lights is healing. Healing is in your bank account. We just have to learn how to take withdrawals. You know, miracles are in our bank account. You just got to learn how to withdraw. It's like, you know, when you used to go to the bank and you have to, have to fill out those stupid withdrawal slips? We just got to learn how to keep making withdrawals. And that happens through relationship, not formula. Happens through transformation of our minds, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, changing how you think, changing what, how you believe, and it comes through hunger. 
Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.